afternoon, everybody, and welcome to our May webinar and podcast episode. A uh, quick reminder, if you have questions to ask today, if you're joining us live, you have the opportunity to ask a question at any time. Just use the Q&A function on your Zoom control panel and that will be answered at the end of the session. If you're viewing the recording or listening to the podcast later and would like to ask a question, feel free to contact us directly at smithinc.com. I'm now going to hand over to Mark Holton, SmithInc Director, to present his session, Business Advisory in a COVID-19 World. Over to you, Mark. Well, thank you, Andrea, and uh, good morning, everyone, and good afternoon, depending where you're sitting, and uh, welcome to our May webinar. And the topic for this particular webinar is one that I think is relative, extremely relative, and that's uh, what the hell we're going to do with Business Advisory in a COVID-19 world. Um, I would talk to you today coming from my home in Terrigal on the beautiful New South Wales Central Coast, the place that I've been sitting at for the last uh, five to six weeks and absolutely going nuts, I've got to be honest. For someone that's used to being out and about and jumping on planes and staying in hotels and going all over the shop, this has been a real wake-up call. But it's also made me think a little bit about how we do advisory and accounting firms in the world and, and also the changes that I think we need to be starting to think about now. Certainly implementing some of the stuff we'll talk about today is going to be a challenge moving forward. Getting clients to pay is going to be a challenge, I think, as well moving forward. We've got to start to think about different models, different structures and different plans. But one of the things I have been doing over the past uh, number of weeks sitting here with my dog um, is talking to a lot of accounting firms. And without fear or favour, in the market at the moment, firms are doing a lot of work. They're battling time. Now, let's be frank, the industry's battled time forever and a day, but they're battling time even worse than they are at the moment, trying to manage staff who are working at home and still working at home and the associated workflow issues. Many firms are telling me they're overcoming this by uh, things like Zoom meetings in the morning, uh, Zoom meetings in the afternoon, the old stand-up meetings that we've done face-to-face -face in firms. Uh, quite a few of them are telling me too that they're putting plans in place to start to bring workers back to work within the restrictions that are available, whatever particular state you're in. And a couple have been saying to me that this, hey, this stuff working at home hasn't been that bad. You know, we've managed to get a lot of staff's productivity up. There's been less distractions. They've been able to be more project focused in what they've done. And maybe, just maybe, we'll contemplate a, a hybrid model of how we have our staff in our accounting firms. And I think that's gonna be an issue that does come out of this particular uh, pandemic and also the other issues associated with it. But it's certainly been a challenge to all of a sudden have people in the office then all of a sudden they're not there. And also managing workflow. Quite a few firms are saying to me they've had their trials and tribulations with this as far as keeping on top of what's going on. Um, a couple of firms have also mentioned to me that they've struggled a bit with the cultural side of things, that not having the people in the office um, has been a bit of an issue when it comes to building the culture that they want to try to establish in their accounting firm. So it's certainly been a challenge. A whole host of firms are telling me, and I'm seeing this obviously, that they're dealing with multiple client questions, demands and management issues around JobKeeper and the other stimulus measures, the PAYG, depreciation, even down to some of the loan, de loan deferment issues and loan application issues in particular states. So it's been a real 
you know, situation where the client's coming at us left, right and centre. Um, the thing that I've noticed and spoken to quite a few firms about with this is they're doing a lot of work, but when it comes to how we're billing it, that's a challenge. You know, some have said to me, do we bill this stuff? Because it's pretty hard to bill a client who has no money and is struggling. And some are telling me they're getting pushback from clients where they send out a bill once the JobKeeper monies have come through. Some are billing on success. They're not billing up front. They're billing when the, the stimulus measures are coming through. It's all over the shop. And some are telling me they've got a fair pushback from clients, you know, suggesting that they're taking advantage of them at a time when the client's doing it tough. It's darn hard in our industry where we've got to do all this work and absorb all this cost and then start to think about how will or will the client pay me. Some firms have said to me, not many, but some are telling me they're doing it for nothing <clears throat> because what they're trying to do is help the client at the time when the client's struggling the most. And whilst that's a very admirable thing, and I understand it perfectly, I don't understand the economics of it, to be honest. So we're hit with that. And then communication with staff and clients using digital measures. Um, you know, I think just about every firm out there are using some type of digital communication measure, whether it's Zoom, whether it's Microsoft Teams, whether it's GoToMeeting, WebEx, there's a million of them out there, as we know. And it's becoming more and more common that meetings are done digitally. Uh, with the boards that I sit on, Ronald McDonald House, Academy of Sport, uh, Bendigo Bank and the like, um, there's no choice. All our meetings are being done through Zoom or through a digital channel. And to be honest with you, it's working well. The focus is there. Everybody can see each other. Uh, in fact, I think we're getting through salient things quicker than we do when we're face-to-face. -face. Uh, will that continue in the future? Well, it's an option. Uh, maybe we'll go back to face-to-face -to -face meetings. But I think this whole pandemic and the associated issues with it are going to put us in a position where we've got to start to think, what is the best model for my firm? And how will I do things in the future? Many firms are telling me that they're already offering numerous COVID-19 advisory services. And there's a million and one of them, of course. A lot of firms are doing business continuity planning in some way, shape or form. Okay, they're out there with clients talking to them about their cash flow survival plan. You know, where do we raise cash during a COVID-19 environment? The underlying tax issues that apply to all this. So tax advice, survival advice, how to set up at working at home structures, HR issues relating to uh, management of staff that might otherwise but not be used to working at home and how we put standards and processes in place for that. You know, I, I certainly know working at home, my dress standard has changed a little bit. Okay, I'm not sure what your guys are like, but a few firms have said to me they've established agreements with their staff where they should be dressing for meetings like this in a manner that they would if they were coming to the office. Some are telling me it doesn't bother them. Certainly how we cover business, you know, interruption, how we cover what I call prevention strategies, but it's a bit hard to do prevention strategy planning when this has already happened. We've then got to start to move into response strategies. In other words, how do we have a somewhat emergency response to some of the issues that are going on? Loss of client, loss of income, struggling with cash flow, managing staff. Do I need the staff? Do I stand down staff? How does JobKeeper impact on that model?
I, I think there is no better time, absolutely no better time, to do cash flow management with clients. So clients that have been reluctant to do things like budgets and cash flows, well, there is no reluctancy when we're talking about response strategies, okay, and how do we respond to a market that's changed dramatically overnight that we had nothing to do with. So I think that becomes a major issue as well. I really do. I see a lot of firms offering strategic advice in a variety of different business disciplines. You know, disciplines such as, as we said, HR, IT, disciplines as in survival. I think we've now got to start to think about what are the recovery strategies that we're going to work with clients on. Many firms who have who been doing a little bit of advisory, a little bit of tax planning, a little bit of budgets and cash flows, and that was generally driven by the client and or a third party like a bank, are now doing a lot more. The future of working with a client, in my mind, is I need a success plan. I need a recovery strategy. I need a budget. I need a cash flow. And that becomes my action plan for success. And I need someone to hold me accountable to that plan as we move onwards and hopefully out of the global pandemic with how long that will take. There is no time like the present to put these structures in place. And I know it's tough. I know time is killing us. I know we're incredibly busy. But I also see this as somewhat of a one-off opportunity to be able to get the, the ethos of advisory into clients' minds. Because leading out of this, when we start to talk about recovery strategies, what we can start to do is start to look at where will you be in six months? How do we get you back to where you were before this started? How do we then meet that equilibrium, that plateau, and how do we then start to grow? So growth strategies, survival strategies, get me back to where I was strategies. You, you can bundle this stuff up, call it what you like, but it's a market that needs these services more so than ever before. And I'm also big on stress testing clients' businesses. And one particular software developer that I've been a fan of for years, and that's Cashflow Story, have actually introduced a three-month complementary stress testing capability of their platform. So it uses the power of one establishment to look at what would happen if prices went up by 1%, volume dropped by 1%, volume went up by 1%. We collect our debtors one day quicker. We turn over our inventory, our WIP one day quicker. We manage our cost structure, direct and indirect, a little bit smarter. And there's a link that we'll send out to you. And we've sent out a couple of emails at Smith Inc. saying that if you are interested in doing this sort of stress testing with clients, that the little stress testing simple tool that they've built into cash flow story is an absolute no-brainer. It's simple, it's easy, and it's a conversation starter. So I'll leave that with you to start to think about that as a potential advisory service offering. I believe in the current environment, there is no better time for you in your firm and your clients in their business to start talking about their budget for the 2021 year. And we have to consider things like best, worst, most probable. Now, I've got no doubt that the industry is already doing this stuff because that's not a recovery strategy. That's a response strategy as you've done in your continuity planning. But the type of service, let's talk accounting firm for the moment. How long does this keep going for? 
I, I know we're getting restrictions eased. I tell you what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a whole host of businesses out there taking no notice of it, which is a concerning thing. I'm seeing a lot of people out there taking no notice of social distancing and thinking that's going to go away. You know, what does the future look like? It's a very unpredictable, uncertain world that we're living in, let alone business environment and economic output. So what type of services in your firm are you going to look to do over the next 12 months, 24 months, 36 months? What likely resources do you need to be able to do this? And if you're going to go down that pathway of starting to put some systems, processes, resources around your advisory, then you've got to get together a realistic. And I highlight the word realistic. Okay, the one thing these last six weeks have taught me is you've got to crawl before you walk, before you run. So the last thing I'm saying is going in holus bolus, full steam, let's do advisory to a market at the moment that's cash poor, struggling for time, and, and at the moment are in a massive stress point. But you can't wait till that's over. We don't know when it will be over. We've got to start to get the plan in place now. We've got to put the structure in place now. We really do. I also see in the current environment, there's an opportunity here. And I noticed a, a um, article this morning in My Business Magazine, which is a, a online uh, resource I get every day, but it was talking about the, um, the government's JobKeeper program and the small business and family ombudsman's office were making comments around, well, when this stops, how a business is going to survive if they've deferred mortgage payments and a quoted 429,000 mortgages that have been deferred, which is one in 14 of all home loans. And then, you know, lease payments, rent that's been deferred. And then all of a sudden, there's no support from the government coming through JobKeeper or other stimulus measures. And businesses are going to be in a position where they're actually screaming for better budgeting, better cash flow management, better cost management. You know, so wrap it up whichever way you want, but dealing with cost structures, dealing with survival, dealing with, you know, response strategies to the end of JobKeeper, dealing with recovery strategies, what do we do post-JobKeeper, are now advisory services that frankly weren't there before, at least not to the level that the client needs. So how do we create success? Well, I reckon the first thing you've got to do is start to get out there and promote it proactively to clients. Don't wait for others to do it. You know, and I understand, let me say I perfectly understand the time issue, the other things that we've got to do. But I'm not saying go out there and do this right across the board. Pick one, pick two, have a chat. Do it as part of your survival stuff anyway. Your business continuity stuff, your budget, your cash flows. Link it all together. We've got to start to track advisory services separately on the PL and integrate it into workflow management. I'm massive about that, paranoid about that with firms I consult to. We've got to start to get it as a budgeted reportable item. It's got to be on the PL. There's got to be KPIs associated to it. And then when we're looking at managing workflow as we do with compliance, why isn't advisory part of that process? Why haven't we created the accountability around it? let alone the measurement points. We've got to develop budgets for it. We keep KPIs and more importantly than develop them, be accountable to them. You know, number of leads approached, number of proposals generated, 
these aren't financial KPIs in the classical sense, but they're KPIs in the success sense that we've got to look to build and manage and use that as part of your workflow management in the firm. I'm not a fan, never have been, linking it with compliance services unless the client specifically requests it or you know they prefer it that way. I'm not going to say never do compliance or never build compliance and advisory together because you know the client better than I do. And in the past, in my experience, in my firm, if a client reacts better to a one price scenario or a package scenario, I'm not going to be arrogant enough to say, no, it's not the way to go. I'll give it to them because that's what they want. Well, that's what I feel they respond better to. There is no right or wrong way here. It's just got to have a go. Look forward, not backwards. Okay? But advisory is looking to tomorrow, not yesterday. Leave that for compliance. That's what compliance does beautifully. Looks backwards, reports today. Advisory is not looking backwards. I love the software in the market at the moment. Okay? I love it. But I'm not going to use it to look at what happened yesterday. And I'm not going to have conversations with your clients around what they can't do. I'd rather talk to them about what they can do. Really would. And lastly, please don't give it away for nothing or very little. Take the leap. Value your services and bill accordingly. Most common question I've had in the time I've been in this industry, which is quite a while, is should I do the first few for nothing because I'm learning? Well, my attitude is that's up to you. Uh, if you think you can get away with that, then the client eventually will pay you for the value you've created. Go for your life. But me personally, I never thought I could actually give something away for nothing then create value with it. It just didn't fit my DNA. And obviously, I'm not a fan of that. And again, get a business advisory implementation plan in place and follow it and commit to it. Okay, that's the critical thing. So when it comes to advisory, you know, I put that up on screen. I'm not going to go through it, but there's a million and one things to do in advisory. What we've been forced to do at the moment is move into crisis advisory. And I think that's a wonderful thing because the client desperately needs it. You know, the conversations we're having about survival, about prevention strategies, response strategies, recovery strategies. The beauty of that is we're talking strategic, okay? We're setting strategy with clients. I see one of the critical things coming out of this is to be able to get yourself more involved in what the client wants their business to be in the future. And by that, I mean things like business value indications, having conversations with clients now about what their client business is worth today and what they want it to be worth tomorrow. Establishing where the gap is between what I want and what it's worth. And then working with them around how to financially improve my business's profit, cash flow, eliminate risk, reduce you know, exposure, and then revalue that every 12 months, six months, whatever you think with a client. So business value indications to build growth, to build wealth, to build success has to be part of your recovery strategies for clients post-COVID-19. There's another area I've always done with my clients, and I believe it's something we miss out on in this game, and that's pre-lending assessments. Conversations with clients, I've always asked them, are you looking to borrow money in the future? Yes. How much, what for, when? And putting that around, I'll then start to use some of the lending covenants that I know banks are using, and let's be honest, banks are still tough as anything to deal with, even in the midst of all this, you know, helping with lending and the rest of it. 
okay, and deferral of mortgages and loans and that sort of stuff. Well, they're going to be paid eventually, don't they? Okay, start to look at the client's ability to fund future funding or existing funding or their ability to be able to continue to fund what they've already got that they've deferred, which as we know is just pushing the inevitable back, and then start to work with them on areas to improve strategies. And then it doesn't just become a loan submission for future funding, it becomes a loan success plan for current funding. Get involved in this, guys. It's a critical part, the client needs it, and it can become part of your strategic planning, board of advice management, working with clients quarterly, monthly, etc. Create the accountability, create the reliance on you so it's stronger than it's ever been before post-COVID-19. And then we can move into some of the more lucrative services that you can see up on screen. Things like estate planning, business planning, assistance with government grants. Geez, we've got to start to look at that one. If there's a way of government grants helping with your fee in a, in a period where clients we fear won't be able to afford to pay us, there is no better way than to examine that possibility. I see strategic planning. I see budgets, cash flows. I see quarterly board of advice. I see accountability as one of the major recovery strategies for what we need to do here. When it comes to funding those strategies with a client, then we've got to start to think at some of the different things out there, like scenario planning. Will I or won't I? How do I do it? We might have to think about different funding models when it comes to advisory moving forward for clients. We might have to look at fee funding. We might have to look more closely at how they're currently managing key things like their receivables, their payables, their inventory, their whip. We might need to put support around them in strategic alliance fashion to help them with debt collection, to help them with paying bills, not just their compliance bill, but also their advisory. We have to start to think different. Nothing's off the table. Scenario planning something I've always done with clients. You know, that's my, how would you like to see the financial impact of key business decisions before you make it service? Show me the day what's going to happen so tomorrow I can make that decision with the knowledge I need to know it's going to work for me or hope it will work. Don't tell me this and the use of the power of one type strategies is not a recovery strategy for clients, let alone a response strategy for how I survive the next six months, three months, whatever the case may be. We've got to start to think about what can I offer and not look at those three screens and say, I'll do them all. You're not going to do them all. You know, let's just pick the easy wins. Let's just go after the stuff we know clients need. We know the stuff that they can't do themselves, the stuff that they rely on us to help with, and start to build models around value. And those value models have to come with a fee. So let's start to think about the different ways we can structure that fee. And as I said, nothing's off the table. So where do I start? I'm running out of time drastically, um, Andrea, but I'll just go through this. In my mind, You've got to have a system. You've got to have a process. And many have seen this before, but I'm going to go through it very quickly. That's our Smith Inc. seven-step process. In my mind, to get this going, to enhance what you're doing, to get it off the ground, to turn stuff that you've been doing for clients over the last three months into services you can do over the next three years, you've got to have a structured process. And that first point in that structure is preparing your firm for success. And that's what needs to be looked at now, guys, the plan, the advisory implementation plan. 
As far as steps two to seven, let's worry about that for another day. But they're there. The structures are there. The processes are there. The systems are there. The resources are there. But we've got to start to get that plan in place. We've got to start to look at what are we going to offer? How are we going to offer? How are we going to explain it to a client? How do we price it? What models of payment are we going to restructure? Uh, we're going to look at fee funding. We're going to look at other types of finance structures. We're going to look at deferral payments, etc. And then we can start to engage clients, create disturbances, analyse their performance. We've got to do it one step at a time. That's probably the most important thing, I think, leading out of this. So, in my mind, there are four things we need to look at. We've got to implement what I call the structured advisor model, and I'll show you that very quickly. We've then got to develop the right infrastructure to work out who will do what, when and how in the firm. What will we offer? How will we offer it? How will we explain it? How do we make it attractive and sexy for the client? How do we price it? How do we package it? You know, what systems, what processes, what resources? And that includes obviously people resources. What software? You know, what implementation? What CRM will I use to be able to make sure nothing slips through the cracks? And believe me, leading out of this, we've got to make sure nothing does slip through the cracks. You can't say I'm there with you and forget about it. That's just going to destroy it altogether. We've got to create an engagement model that's resilient, that can be used right across the firm and goes through a process of finding out what's important to the client and then customising individual tailored solutions to what the client believes to be important. And then, and only then, we've got to start to look at how do we deliver these client-centred models in a manner that is scalable. Scalable to the point that it doesn't rely on one person in your firm to do it. Scalable to the point that it can happen again and again and again in different industries for different clients, but we use the same systems. In my mind, the only success measure for advisory is system, process, people. That's what we've got to get right, okay? Bringing in software to help us get the right systems, processes, and train the people is a great idea when the time's right, okay? We've got to get the model right in your firm first. So... Here is my trusted advisor model. And what I believe emphatically is we've got to work out what we want to do internally in the firm and what we're going to do external. And externally, I mean we're going to bring in external advisors. Anything external is above the line. Anything internal is below the line. That's just an example on screen. But what we do need is we do need to have some way of tracking clients, prospects and suspects leading into our trusted advisor office. And as the most trusted advisor that we are, we project manage. We find out what the client needs. We work that through and then we make a decision, do we do it internally or externally? And we do what a project manager does. We support the external advisor's relationship with the client, the client with the external advisor, and we do that through a tracking mechanism so nothing ever slips through the cracks. I'm happy to talk to people more about what this model's about in the future, but you've got to start to think about what I'm going to offer, how I'm going to do it. Will I do it internally? Will I do it externally? You've got to start to now think about who are those prospects out there and develop a prospect pipeline, rather, okay, even to the point of going and starting to think who would I suspect would be a great client and then using whatever mechanics we need to do to interact with those people. So there's a lot to be done on the planning process, okay? Clients need support now. My attitude is do what you're currently doing. 
but you've got to be thinking as you do it about how do I turn this into a model that is repeatable, that is resilient, and more importantly, is scalable. And by scalable, I mean the right person at the right level in the firm, at the right pay rate, does the right task. That's the challenge. So where to from here? Um, I said to you earlier, I'm going nuts sitting here by myself and my dog. Um, I'm more than happy to have a chat with any firm, totally complimentary, about where they want to be in the future, how they're currently doing things. Um, we'll look at the realistic numbers and future goals. We'll look at the business issues and risks. And that can come down to do I have the right staff? Do I have the time? Uh, do I have the right clientele? And my attitude to all that is that's fixable. Might take time, but it's fixable. You know, where you want your business to be in the future, what sort of services you want to offer, and then the pathway to advisory success. Everything I'll talk to you about, you should be talking to clients about. But that process there is a very structured process because I can't do it without structure. What we've got to do is get that structure in your firm too, guys. So as we start to take the challenge and develop more practice revenue in the future without increasing that compliance percentage, and more importantly, I think with advisory and this sort of stuff, have a lot more fun, okay, particularly in a post-COVID environment. But the environment we've got, we had dropped upon us. We've all done a fantastic job trying to manage it. The real question now is how do we take what we're currently doing and make that happen to benefit our clients' business, their success, their wealth measures and everything else when things start to get back to some resemblance of normality? It's a challenge, but it's one that I know everyone online can handle. And Andrea, I'm probably a little bit over time, but uh, one minute, that's not that bad. I'm happy to take any questions that I've been logged or anyone that wants to ask. Great. Thank you, Mark. Um, great presentation. Uh, very relevant for everybody, I'm sure. So just a reminder, if you would like to ask Mark a question now, you can just type that into your Q&A um, little icon there on the control panel. None so far. So um, I will remind you all that this has been recorded today, so it will be sent out later this afternoon, um, along with Mark's presentation and um, a link for the cash flow story offer if you haven't had a chance to review that already. Um, uh, here's a question coming through. Oh. Uh, George has asked, what is the cost of cash flow story? Uh, George, um, off the top of my head, I don't know, mate. I, I think it's about nine ninety-five a year. Um, if you go to their website, it'll be on that for sure. It's cashflowstory, one word, dot com dot au. But I believe sure. the offer for the stress, the stress uh, test is um, it's complimentary, isn't it? It's complimentary yeah, at this stage. That, the offer that the guys there are doing is is complimentary. They've built this little stress testing tool into the software. And they'll give you uh, access to the software as well as part of that. So that's a great way to kind of look at um, yeah. some software worth, that you'd like to. It's worth popping a few clients in there and having a bit of a look anyway. Yeah, George, I'll send that out the recording as well so you have the direct link in there. Um, Matt has asked, Mark, what do, uh, do you think you should have separate advisors for BA work and compliance work? Yes, Matt, definitely. Um, if someone, in my mind, if someone is good at compliance, let them stay there. They're good at that because of a reason. I've seen many firms over my time, Matt, say to me, look, 
uh, this person's going to be the advisory person because they're great at compliance. Um, to be great at advisory, you've got to want to do it for starters. Uh, you've got to be a bit of a storyteller. You've got to enjoy it and you've got to enjoy the engagement with the client. And you've also got to be a dash fearless, Matt, in that, you know, you're not going to go out there and ask a question and get the answer you expect. But you've got to go out there and stick your foot in the water and see if it's cold. You know, to, you know when I, the first thing I do with every client and have done for years is to do what I call a needs analysis. Go through a series of questions with them. The beauty of that and the excitement of that is you've got no idea what they're going to answer. You might think they will because you know them from a compliance relationship, but you've got no idea. So another skill that the advisor needs is not just to be you know, engaging and excited and want to do it and want to be a storyteller, but also be darn good at taking a response and turning it into a substantive question. You know, that's what a lot of a lot of people get in as they're part of their skill set as they move through the years anyway. But my attitude is they're good at compliance leaving me. Uh, George, Sarah. Sorry. Oh. oh sorry, Andrew, I'm taking your bloody job <laughs> No, you're all good. I can log off then. <laughs> my dog. I'm getting excited. Uh, I'll let, is there a minimum practice size that you need to promote advisory? Yeah, it's a good question, George. Um, in my experience, the, the sweet spot is the two to four partner firm, but I have seen sole practitioners do very well in this space if they have other resources there to assist them with their compliance activity. So it's, it's all a case of building the right model. Um, I've seen very experienced, I've seen very, very good sole practitioner firms do well in advisory, and I've seen a lot of other bigger firms not do so well. It really comes back to, as the owner of a business, do you want to make this part of your diversified income stream? But I'm also big about building a advisory division. And by division, I mean having people dedicated to it, or at least some of their, their, you know, their weekly time dedicated to it on a regular basis. You know, and during that time, that's all they focus on. Okay, difficult, I know, to start, but we've got to get the plan in place. Great, thanks, Mark. Looks like that's all of the questions for, oh, here we go, another one. Philip's just come in. How much is the market valuing advisory services when they are buying, selling a firm compared to compliance? Oh, geez, that's a good question, Philip. Um, I don't think there's any, it's any empirical information there that I'm, I'm aware of at the moment. I know what I'd do, and that is if I was looking at buying a firm that was purely compliance work and no advisory or very little or had no infrastructure in place to be able to do it, I wouldn't be paying as much as I would if I was going to buy a firm that had advisory in a divisionalised approach um, already in existence. Um, Philip, if... If you want to contact me offline, mate, I have got a few resources that I can go and dig back on to help you more with that. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Mark. Um, you can probably see this one from Matt, and the reason I'm going to say it, because I always get <laughs> that wrong. If a reasonable size firm EBIT basis. Duh. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> earnings before interest and tax plus depreciation and amortisation. Uh -huh. Thank you. That will make your day, knowing that one. <laughs> um, uh, I'm just trying to struggle with the question, Matt. Is, is a reasonable firm size, do you measure it on EBITDA basis? Look, you can. 
um, my experience, mate, is that there's no right or wrong firm. You know, like there's no right or wrong client. I've had many firms say to me, oh, let's go after this type of client and this type of industry with this type of turnover. And they end up putting themselves in a position where the client just doesn't respond. Um, I will talk to any firm about this at any stage, but I'll be blatantly honest, and that is if they're lacking capacity and they're lacking a commitment to change their model to really get advisory going in there, I'll tell them up front, don't do it. I will. Because the worst thing you can do is go out and commit a large amount of time, a large amount of dollars on something that's not going to get a good amount of success. So, you know, look, if a business has a strong EBITDA or accounting firm does, yeah, great. You know, it's already profitable. It's profitable for a reason, and that's because you've already got your systems, your processes, and your people resources right in compliance and some of the other stuff you already do. We've got to emulate that model in the advisory space. Great. Thanks, Mark. Um, I think that is all the questions now. Thank you, everybody, um, for attending today and all your questions. If anybody wants to do that at... um, business advisory assessment with me or just have a conversation it doesn't have to be about advisory mm-hmm. uh, what's the easiest way to get in contact should i just email you yep email me and um i will put a reminder when i send out the recording as well just uh, what it covers um 45 minutes and it is um, no obligation and um everything will be in the web uh, in the webinar in the email going out today and guys it doesn't have to be advisory you just might want to have a chat about something Talk about football, talk about how South Sydney will win the premiership this year and that sort of stuff. So. <laughs> Let's give Mark something to do. <laughs> um, Farid has said thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for attending today. Thank you, Mark. And um, another one, thanks for a great presentation. Um, we will be back online next month and the recording will come out today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, guys. Take care. Be safe.